Hello and welcome to Habemus Papam, episode 138, Gregory V. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. Hey everyone, for today's Pope, we know a little bit more about his family life and backstory, so let's get into it. Our Pope today was born Bruno of Carinthia, and he was the son of Otto I of Worms and the grandson of the Holy Roman Emperor Otto I, who we met several episodes back. His mother's name was Judith, and he had two brothers, Henry of Speyer and Conrad II of Worms. Bruno was educated at the Cathedral School in Worms in central Germany, where he studied the writings of the Church Fathers and was apparently a really big fan of the work of Pope Gregory the Great. So he was a learned man, well-versed in the Fathers of the Church and in theology. He was selected to be the chaplain for his cousin, the German King Otto III, and he lived and served in his court. Now, Bruno was traveling with Otto III in Ravenna in spring of 966 on his way to Rome to be crowned Holy Roman Emperor when the news was delivered to the emperor that John XV had died. So Otto promptly nominated his cousin and chaplain, Bruno, to fill the spot and sent him off to Rome with a couple of bishops to guide him. And when he got to Rome, the people elected him pope because Otto III said so, and he took the name Gregory V after his hero, St. Gregory the Great. Bruno was thus the first truly German pope, and he was only 24 at the time of his consecration. Initially, people were pretty excited about this scholarly, holy, energetic man being named Pope, including Otto III, because now that Gregory V is on the chair of Peter, he can have his crowning as Holy Roman Emperor. And this indeed happened on the Feast of the Ascension of the Lord in May of 996. But others not so self-centered were also excited, including several reforming abbots and bishops throughout Europe. They rejoiced to hear that Gregory was the new Pope. With Otto III in Rome and the new pope in charge, the pope and the emperor called a synod of bishops in Rome, as was the custom at the time for such occasions, to grant favors to monasteries and to settle old disputes. One of the big disputes on the docket was the situation at Rems. If you remember from last episode, there was a dispute of who was the legitimate archbishop, which had been caught up in all sorts of aspects of European politics at the time. Archbishop Arnulf had been deposed by the French king Hugh, who had appointed Gerbert of Urillac, who was then deposed by a synod in Rems, and then Arnulf was reinstated. But now Gerbert protested, and the whole thing caused a small-scale schism in the Archdiocese of Rems, which had downstream effects. One of which was that the local bishop in a neighboring diocese was not able to be ordained because the bishops couldn't decide on who was the correct bishop to ordain him. And so he's getting fed up because, hey, I was chosen to be bishop and I don't want to just wait around forever. And he appealed to the Pope, which is what you do. And Pope Gregory took the case, deciding against Gerbert, who finally acquiesced and left the Sea of Rems. But to use some blatant foreshadowing, this isn't the last we are going to hear from Gerbert of Orillac. Now, another item on the agenda was what to do about Crescentius. If you remember from last episode, Crescentius was the local dictator of Rome, one of these competing families that had tried to dominate every aspect of local politics, including the Pope. Crescentius had spurred Otto III into coming to Rome in the first place because the previous Pope, John XV, had fled from Rome to Otto for protection against Crescentius. So now, when Otto's in Rome... They brought Crescentius up on charges, but as a gesture of mercy and forgiveness, Gregory V asked Otto to pardon Crescentius and allowed him to stay in Rome. Big mistake. 
Otto III left Rome and Italy in August of 996, and he left behind just two nobles to guard and care for the Pope. But as soon as he was gone, Gregory realized that Crescentius was not going to stay in quiet, in retirement, thankful for being forgiven by the Pope. He wanted power. And that fall of 996, Crescentius got together his faction of the Roman people, and he did what he did best. He caused a rebellion and drove the Pope out of town. The Pope fled to Spoleto, and after a couple of attempts to get back into Rome, departed from Spoleto to Ravenna and then to Pavia. He asked again for Otto to come back, but Otto, he had too much going on in Germany at this time. He couldn't come back to Italy right away. So the Pope was stuck for a while in northern Italy. In Pavia, Pope Gregory held a synod, which among other things reprimanded the King of France, Robert I, for his illegal marriage, and excommunicated Crescentius. But Crescentius was not buying it and was doing what he wanted in Rome. He was conspiring with a representative of the Byzantine emperor, a man named Leo, and he convinced the Archbishop of Piacenza, using Leo's influence and his own, to be elected in Rome as a pope in opposition to Gregory and under the control of Crescentius. And this became the anti-pope John XVI, which is going to make our John numbering even worse going forward. But this situation in Italy couldn't last forever. And so many people throughout the church, including the great St. Odilone of Cluny and St. Abo of Fleury, two of the most prominent reforming monks at the time, put pressure on Otto III and begged him, please come back to Italy, get rid of the antipope, and settle things once and for all with Crescentius. On top of that, Crescentius' erstwhile partner in all this, the Byzantine representative Leo, decided himself to go to Aachen where Otto was. Maybe he was changing sides. Maybe he wanted to influence the Holy Roman Emperor. We're not sure. John XVI, the anti-pope, likewise wrote to Otto, trying to get him to come and recognize him as the true pope. And so by fall of 997, this whole mess seems to have come to a head. Otto III decided that winter to cross the Alps and come to Italy and sort it all out. And the emperor brought with him a sizable retinue, including Pope Gregory's father, the Duke Otto, the great St. Odilio of Cluny, and Gerbert of Aureliac. The emperor and the pope celebrated Christmas in Pavia, and then they went to Ravenna, where most likely in early 998, Pope Gregory appointed Gerbert as archbishop, probably with the support of Otto III, whose tutor Gerbert had been. And so with that, the whole trouble at Rems was at least settled, and Gerbert is now archbishop of Ravenna and Arnulf of Rems. In Rome, Gregory and Otto III called two synods to deal with various issues in the church at the time. The issue most pressing was, again, what to do with Crescentius. And by now, he was holed up in the Castel San Angelo, and also what to do with the antipope John XVI. John was captured and brought before the synod where he was condemned, stripped of his church robes, and sat backwards on a donkey and paraded through Rome to be mocked and berated by the Roman people. He was condemned to prison in a monastery for the rest of his days. Crescentius kept on holding out in Castel San Angelo, but eventually that fortress fell to the troops of Otto III, and Crescentius was executed and thrown from the castle tower into the moat. Another issue which was addressed in the Second Synod of 999 was the marriage of the King of France, Robert I. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, he attempted to illegally marry a cousin named Bertha against church law. The Synod proclaimed that his marriage was indeed illegal and that he risked his soul by staying in the Union. The rest of the activity of these synods circled around various issues in Germany and Italy surrounding local disputes and discrepancies and giving privileges to various monasteries. Gregory V died on February 4, 999, most likely due to natural causes, but there's a possibility he was murdered, and he was buried in St. Peter's Basilica. 
he will be succeeded by someone we already know well, Gerbert of Orillac, who will become Pope Sylvester II. But we will wait for his full story for next week. Thanks for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com or find us on iTunes. Thank you and God bless you. <laughs>